0: I'm Stuart Buchanan and you're listening to Out From Under on Resonance Extra, a weekly exploration of eclectic and experimental Australian music co-produced with FBI Radio in Sydney. In this week's episode, two artists who are working at the fringes of popular music and both on quite radically different musical trajectories, but nonetheless equally compelled by a deep desire to protect their own creative freedom. Both of these artists have sort of refused to conform to expectation or to market demand, and it's this journey that is the experiment. The results are unclear and unmapped. In the second half of the show, we're going to hear from Sydney artist Tanya Bowers, a.k.a. Via Tanya, who describes herself as a musical gypsy and who talks about a career that stretches over 20 years, uh, weaving its way from 90s grunge through alt-jazz, finished techno, to recent explorations with Chicago classical troupe the Tomorrow Music Orchestra. First though, Tegan Lane, a solo producer from Sydney, operating under the name Ghost Girl. Now she released an EP about four years ago, um, but after being probably a little bit less than impressed with the group of people that she had uh, built around her, she became a bit of a hermit. She taught herself music production, recorded a considerable body of work, and plotted the next phase of a spiritually rich story inspired in part by a chance encounter with two rookie soldiers on chat roulette this is ghost girl on out from under
1: project kind of came out of um, thinking about music as a superpower that can... Well, music has the ability to... It goes through walls, so it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you are you know, close, far. It has the ability to touch someone without you having to be in that room. So if you want to reach people, if you want to communicate something... A really amazing way to do that is music because it has that ability to actually travel through space-time and matter. I've always written music I've always like played music so I grew up with music and so for me music was that place for me so I would connect with music and think about deep things through music whether it was classical or techno or you know and so the ability to be transformed or, like, I guess transported to other places, for me, was always something that happens through music. So for me to want to share that with other people is kind of a natural progression, if that makes sense. I just actually needed to um, express stuff, um, I guess, along with, like, meditating and uh, being really interested in philosophy and, like, social... um, i guess philosophy uh social science i wanted to communicate all my thoughts and the best way for me to do that was through music because it's not confrontational it's something where you can express and a lot of my thoughts are really uh <laughs> you know uh, they come through to me through music when i'm like deeply meditating i'm usually playing music so for me starting ghost girl was kind of actualizing those thoughts to be able to share them I mean, at first, actually, I wanted to be a poet (laughs) because I wanted to like, you know, have because I feel that musicians and poets and artists back in a more kind of renaissance era or like tribal even um, time, they were bringing forth messages for people, for everyone. And they weren't um, there wasn't, you know, that idea of celebrity where the musician was kind of looked at. It was the work. It was the message coming through the muse issue, if you know what I mean. And so, yeah, it's always been a heavy thought because, you know, you have to actually connect with something that's more great than yourself to be able to do that. It's For me, music is not necessarily about love songs or just a therapeutic kind of way of expressing your daily grind. Like, to me, that's kind of just a waste. Yeah. Art. Uh, music, poetry, these kinds of things, they have this ability to communicate more than what you see, more than what you could express in like a kind of, you know, just a more common form. They have these deep ideas, these allegories, and they, when you kind of start to ponder on those allegories, you find yourself connecting with something within yourself, which is wordless. And I think that it's just, <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, but for me, I think that wordlessness that you can connect with through music and art is something that is the to me the meaning to make it is because there's no other way for you to connect to that i mean maybe through looking at the clouds or having these beautiful experiences but um i think music is one of those ways that you can connect to things that can't actually like the unspoken truths or the unspoken kind of connection points to you and the infinite, you know, kind of ideas of reality. To bring that element into the composition, you actually have to go to it. Um, So, like, you can't force it. You can't kind of try to plan that out in a way. You have to allow it to come through i think that's how i that's what i do i like to set an intention for what i want to do um when i'm writing something um and it's always like a really obviously a, a positive benevolent intention and then i just i try to go into a meditative state so uh, just to take you through what I would do. That's that's kind of step one too. And then I would, um, I guess, explore what feels right, you know, what sounds, whether it's a synth or, you know, the rhythm or, you know, the tempo. <laughs> and And then start to kind of form this idea and listen to what kind of comes through. And, you know, I don't like to make really big statements that are really obvious like for me it is subtle and allegory and something that's like the water dripping on a stone you know it doesn't have to be this intense forceful thing to actually have an effect and so you know I like to just kind of tap into that flow and go with it and just try to hold on to it like a golden thread and just follow it with how I build the song so it's kind of lot of listening (laughs) to actually make the sound if that makes sense yeah if I can tap into that and really just let go of like because I think a part of making music with that kind of approach is that you actually have to shake off the daily grind like you have to kind of let go of some of the more trivial frustrations that you have to be able to reach that place in yourself where you're not kind of wanting to like kind of offload your I don't know anger about your ex or something weird like that you know like you have to kind of push through that and so once you've kind of um unpacked that and you're in the zone and you're connected i think it can actually be quite a a fast moving process it's like um you know they say like with 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 the dow right if you're going against the flow and you're kind of like you're pushing up a stream that's pushing against you so it's going to take a long time it's going to be painful sufferings you know all of that but then when you're going with the flow like a boat going toward, like in the same direction as the current like you're going you're traveling quite fast so you tend to pick up speed when you're going in the right direction if that makes sense even though it's a considered approach um once you get into the flow of things as silly as it sounds it actually moves quite quickly body of work does have um intentions or it, it there there is a purpose and one of those purposes is well it's not written for hipsters it's not written for <laughs> it's not about that it's uh actually there's a really interesting <laughs> uh kind of inspiration behind this but i was in the studio a couple of years back with yeah uh, some friends of mine and um we <laughs> we were doing chat roulette and um, we chat roulette these, these um, two American Navy kids. They were like 19, 18 years old and they were in this military school slash prison. And, um, yeah, and obviously it was really intense. Their parents had put them there. We got to talking. It was like around the time that Bush was still around, you know, or maybe Obama had just gotten into power, but they were really still, you know, focused on the war in Iraq and, all of that stuff. And they had extremely different views to myself. Um, But it was amazing talking to these kids who were like actually kids, you know, and they're going off to kill people. Um, And then they were saying how they, that it wasn't okay to be gay where they were and it wasn't okay to, um, just basically all these kind of social normative rules that were just so backwards and completely oppressive to these these people, these children that actually had been put into this military facility by their parents and, you know, whose fathers were – their fathers were um, obviously, like, yeah, ex-military and it was just this family tradition that they were carrying out. Anyway, they listened to some of my music and they really, really liked it and it started – I got – we ended up being pen pals um, and they were so sweet and they just were like, this is really helping me through – my time and it actually like was the best thing ever (laughs) to me that like even because we would never meet in real life you know and we wouldn't agree on a lot of things but through that like we were able to transcend those boundaries and actually like help each other they encouraged me to make music and I um, helped them with whatever like gave them some something to listen to which is nice so I guess furthering that thought uh, this music isn't for people who are, you know, middle class and comfortable. Uh, I, I'm kind of making this music, f- uh, I want it to hold some kind of a peace for people who are experiencing things that they need to have some peace for. So some kind of sonic alleviation, if you know what I mean. And I, um, yeah, and I found that f- for myself making music, and listening to music is, like, some type of pain relief or psychological relief. And so, I mean, there's lots of different things that I want to, like, say and um, put into the music. But the intention is that it will be something that kind of seeps into those barriers, like, through those barriers and, you know, and can kind of, I don't know, it can just kind of connect with people who actually need something. That they can't have physically, and I think for myself personally, like I've been, like I've been in poverty, I've been in struggles, and to have music for me, which I have, um, had that experience where it has alleviated something, is life-saving. It really is like, and it really can transport you if you're in a place where it's not very comfortable for whatever reason if it's psychological or if it's actually physical or if you know you're really like impoverished or whatever that is and there's so many variables um, to have music give you that ability to transcend that experience that you're having and take you somewhere else even for a minute it's actually like it's worth it <laughs> like it's worth it and and I think that making music that's why it's important So for me, um, embodying the actual idea and making everything that I put out, part of that idea is actually the only way that I can work for me, like it's not about my personal self, Um, and the idea of celebrity or, like, the artist instead of the artwork becoming the thing that's given the attention is just so blasphemous that, I don't know, I feel like I need to counteract that by just uh, only allowing the artwork to be seen. And so that's kind of the answer for me. Yeah, so I remove my personal self and try to only embody ideas um, that are relevant to the work. There's a whole mythology behind ghost Girl, like we are actually thinking of making a comic because it is a character and um um but yeah, there is definitely a genesis and a and a kind of yeah <laughs> there's a there's a reason behind it being a female (laughs) in the music industry is really interesting and haphazard, especially when you're working with male producers, so um, I kind of decided not to do that, (laughs) and so I've been learning to do all of that completely by myself, which is extremely awesome, I really like it, Um, and highly recommend it to anyone. Um, I I guess I'm building up a body of work that I want to be really happy about, and that I want to have produced and made entirely myself. Um, and that takes time, <laughs> yeah. And it, but I'm willing to put the time in. I don't want to rush it. I just want it to be of a quality and of a a vibe that I'm happy to present.
0: I'm Stuart Buchanan, and you've been listening to Ghost Girl on Out from Under on Resonance Extra. You can connect with Ghost Girl at soundcloud.com forward slash ghost girl. Now for the second half of this week's episode, we're going to be listening to Sydney artist Tanya Bowers, aka Via Tanya. She started her career in a grunge band way back in the early 90s that went by the name of Spadifugaha. Yes, I've been practicing that for quite some time. They had uh, sort of around seven-year career in Australia to uh, pretty good success. But then after that, Tanya decamped to Chicago to start work on her solo career. Quickly, she found herself signed to Chocolate Industries, playing alongside the likes of Prefuse 73, Taurus and the Junior Boys. And since then, she's collaborated on an album with Finnish electronic producer Yuri Holkonen, and recorded an album with the Chicago troupe the Tomorrow Music Orchestra. This is Via Tanya on Out From Under and we started off by talking about the transition from her 90s grunge persona to that of something quite new and I asked her what the former was all about and what made her shift into a different gear. It
2: was about being rebellious and loud and but I was even though I like that stuff I was always like a pop tart like I did love my melodies and my my girls like my B-52 and my then you know so in that way I mean a lot there's a lot of great stuff that comes out of being I don't know androgynous and like Patti Smith or Mm. you know rock and roll like the Slater Kinney girls I love all that stuff Mm. But I also think there's a lot of power in just in the super feminine um, just kind of sounding how you want to sound mm. Mm. and if you don't want to project your voice you don't have to. I was in a band and it was really hard always for us live for me singing because I'm a quiet singer as well. Mm. I'm not that quiet. but. Um, it was always hard. Like, I always had sound dudes being like, You gotta learn how to project. <laughs> like, you gotta learn to do your job. You can do anything you want, mm. you just have to be very um, confident about your choices.
3: This is the best thing you ever had. The moment strikes when you
2: sort of, you know, little girls and their groups and their songs. And we, we would always write songs, my sisters and I. Um, maybe when I was about 13 or 14, um, we got really into writing them together and we'd mess around. But then I would do this thing, which I, I knew at the time was a bit selfish and a bit shitty, but I'd go into my room by myself and edit it and change it. And I'd come out and go, no, this is how it should be. And my sister would get really upset <laughs> with me. I just had this, I don't know, this urge to do that um, at, a, at a really young age. And then when I realised that the fun that I had was actually being by myself, doing it all. Um, and it's escapist as well, getting away from um, from all the crazy stuff that's just a normal, you know, family environment. And I would just go and shut my door. Um, I would record onto cassette and... Um, and, you know, at the, at that time, sort of even before the band formed, my songs were pretty quiet because I was not, I didn't want anyone to hear what I was doing right. and my family was like outside my, you know, my bedroom. So it was all sort of secretive. I mean, they knew what I was doing, but it was that, um, you know, when you're creating, you don't really, it's pretty vulnerable. You don't want people to, you know, you don't want to hear everything. So I do it all quietly. Um. This first solo EP I did was very sort of sounded more like bedroom recordings or something and it was a lot quieter and um I was a little bit more jazzy so even before I moved to Chicago I was interested in that um, but, but then having all of a sudden having these incredible musicians mm. play on your songs that you just write on your guitar or piano or whatever that was that sort of took it up to a whole other level so you could get this atmosphere that um, that comes with having you know really good musicians play mm. on your stuff. You know, what do you hear here when you go into grocery stores? You hear like some Oz Rock or some mm. whatever stuff, right? But there it's like, it's Motown and Stevie Wonder and it's, that's just the norm. So there's this whole other level. I've always sort of, just because I have been a singer-songwriter, like, um, so I've always sort of stuck to that formula, even if people were, stylistically it was changing a little bit. Mm.
0: via Tanya on Out From Under, on Resonance Extra. Shortly after moving to Chicago and recording our first EP, Tanya finds herself signed to Chocolate Industry, the label home to the likes of Prefuse 73, Push Button Objects, and Gisland Poirier. And so I asked her, how did that connection come about?
2: I just remember coming home and the guy, Seven, the owner, the... You know, the guy who started it all, his name was Seven. Um, he was just sitting in my lounge room. And my partner at the time, Casey, was playing him records and they were just hanging out. And he had just, I think he had just moved to Chicago from Miami. So I think that was the same year. And then, um, and Casey put on my record. And I don't know why he did, because they would have been listening to, like, really <laughs> different stuff but for some reason. And then I came home and said, oh, can I put this out? And I was like, wait, what? And because um, I didn't know, you know, I hadn't met that many people. Um, and I looked at his label and every, he had a lot of hip-hop stuff. Mm. It's like, like, okay, if you want, I guess. <laughs> it was very, like, it was pretty easy, actually. Mm, right, yeah right. Um, And then I felt like, because he would always get my songs remixed by other guys on the label, mm. Um like even you know like Prefuse 73 and um, it was and I thought oh, maybe that's how he's trying to tie it in and make it all make sense but I was I was totally open to it because I love all, all that we did uh, a couple of singles an EP a record but by the next record it was all kind of falling apart <laughs> didn't really work anymore
0: departure from chocolate industries Tanya returns from Chicago to her home in Sydney to record her second record moon sweet moon the record performed well and clearly established Tanya in Australia but the rollout of the record wasn't necessarily as smooth as she had hoped
2: it, it was already released here unloving and mercy and then in then it got picked up by a French label called the hours and that was really interesting and that was, I don't know how to explain, that was like a weird year. I went there and played a festival and then a show with them. Um, and everything was very, lots of talking big about things. We're going to do this and that, and that. But in the end, it just sort of petered out, I guess. Mm, and mm. you kind of, at the end of it all, you no matter when a record comes out, I feel like there's all this potential for mm. things to happen. And... Um, people talking about it and people playing it. But, you know, once it's out, it's almost like I feel like my job's done. Mm. Time to do something else. And if you're not a crazy touring artist Mm. who loves performing and being on stage all the time, it's just so hard to Mm. promote. And Mm. my real love is writing Mm. and sort of um, creating and writing. And I feel like performing is kind of the last stage of that, like getting your message across. But if you're not um, uh, much of a showman, show person, or, you know, like if you you just have to be in the right headspace to do it. And I feel like touring, like being in a van for, you know, most of the day, Mm. I always thought it was like, it's like camping, like explaining it to people. Mm. It's like, it's like camping, but at the end of the day, you're expected to go on stage and give an incredible performance, mm. and I just I could never work out how to do that. <laughs> yeah, the guy Craig who recorded my second record and mixed it all. He told me this. He was really into Ayurvedic stuff, mm. and he said, you know, there's there's food you should eat like from you know you know Ayurveda. It's like an Indian medicine, traditional medicine. Um, if you're getting a lot of attention. In your life, um, which actually isn't good for you, mm. um, there's like food you can eat to sort of balance that out because you should be eating, you know, a balance. You should be having balance in your life, and so if you're getting too much of that, then you should be eating less of this and more of that. And I just, I just thought, you know what? That's really <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> that this is this statement. It's not good for you mm. to have too much attention. Mm. I think it totally depends on what kind of person who you are what kind of Mm -hmm. personality some people need it um and feed off of it and get inspired by it um and I I just tend to sort of get nervous and sweaty and (laughs) and um and and I don't know because I guess there's also this when people talk about potential Mm -hmm. then it's immediately all this pressure as well. Mm. So maybe it's the pressure that I respond to. Um, Not that it's not, you know, when I'm in, when everything's cool, it's like, oh, yeah, great, thanks, take a compliment. But it's more, I don't know, this expectation of Mm. success, whatever success is. Because there's still always that thing of, like, what you've gotten on, like, what's on trend. Mm. Oh, yeah, they did this just before, you know, they were the first people to do this or that it was gonna happen anyway, and someone was gonna be the first in every I just believe that in every genre in every in you know in every, every situation i I just think there's a collective thing that happens and it's gonna happen um but if you're the first then you're lucky because you know you um everyone thinks you're responsible for it <laughs> I've never actually paid that much attention to what people think that I'm going to, like stylistically or Mm. musically, because I have, um, I just generally do what I want to do, because I guess I have my luxuries that I think not that many people are listening. If you had like a really huge loyal following, I know there's artists out there that they do one thing, one song in one way, and they've got all these fans going, what the hell, what the hell Mm. did she do that for? Mm. And that would be incredibly difficult. And I think that's my luxury, is that I don't, it doesn't matter that much. No one really cares that much.
0: That's Via Tanya on Out From Under on Resonance Extra and a track called Home from the album Moon Sweet Moon. After returning uh, from Chicago to her home in Sydney, with the next phase of her career not quite yet mapped out, she discovers Finnish electronic producer Jori Holkonen, and is sufficiently impressed that she decides to get in touch. And of course, this being the late noughties, there is only one way to get in touch with your favourite producer.
2: MySpace. <laughs> uh, MySpace was really fun in the beginning because um, I think I just sent him – I think he'd done like a presets remix and my manager oh, – it was the same manager, Will jones and I really liked it. And Will said, just like reach out to people. If you like what they do, just reach out to them. And and so I think I had MySpace messaged Jerry, and he – he listened to my stuff and got back and said, "Let's, I've got you know some music. Do you want to just see if you want to write over the top?" And and I had never done that before, so I did, and I sent him back the vocals, and we kind of did that for a year and a half or so, going back and forth, but not really finishing anything. There were a couple of songs in there that was like, "Yeah, yeah, that could this could be something," and then we decided to really like, "Let's let's make a record," and it involved me um going over to Finland and spending like a week with him in the studio and we worked together really well. It was really quite easy um, I guess we had pretty defined roles but it was um, it was it was a really great experience actually. It was really just an experiment like I don't think we had any real idea of what it was gonna sound like in the end um, and I still don't know what it does sound like. Every now and then, it's been a while, but I'll hear a song and I'll, and I'll actually go, that was really, I'm, I'm quite proud that I did that. Um, that we just gave it a go and put it out there. Yeah, it, especially cause it was so contained. I usually take years to make something. And that just, even though we took like a year, a year and a half, two years before we actually met in person and finished it, still to me that was a really quick easy record Great
3: skies will now take away
2: So, the last record uh, was made with an orchestra in Chicago, and they were called uh, the Tomorrow Music Orchestra. A bunch of uh, different musicians that Matthew, the leader, had gotten together, and he's like a really great, very charismatic guy. So, there were all sorts of uh, people, um, you know, Chicago Symphony members and just friends of his. So, they would get together and play in different configurations, and they'd sometimes just play in little bars in Chicago. And it was really great to see an orchestra in like a little tiny bar setting. And that's the first time I saw them, and then we did a couple of shows together. And I had always thought it would be an incredible experience to make a record with an orchestra. but I thought it was such a big deal and it would take a lot of money and time and I didn't really see myself with those resources. But after meeting Matthew, it just became very simple and I had my songs that I'd been playing with my band and I said, do you want to just arrange and compose uh, your orchestra around these songs? And he said, sure, and he did it. And we booked some days and we recorded. So it was actually very simple. I'd heard them and I knew they were incredible. And I knew Matthew's writing was incredible. So I sort of just handed over the songs. I didn't stick around and ask him for this or that, you know. He's a pretty young guy. He was in his 20s when we worked together. Um, From New Orleans after the hurricane, like a bunch of people did because they... Because Chicago is such a great town to... Such a great music town. And it's the kind of place... I always thought, you know, people go and try and make it big and get famous in New York or LA. They want to work professionally. But Chicago is, like, where you learn your... You learn to be a musician and you play out every night. And you... It's like the schooling of, you know, being a working musician. So a lot of... um, A lot of people like that really talented young people would gravitate to Chicago it just it was a lot more open there there's people are in lots of different groups and interchange and sit in I guess maybe the old jazz sort of the whole feel you can just sit in with people overnight and and it's not a big deal and I feel like when I grew up in Sydney it was like you're in that band you had to have this like alliance you know with that band and then maybe you'd play with these bands all the time, but didn't move, you know, it wasn't very free, yeah. I'm
3: in the middle
2: just a lot more um I feel a lot more free about it all and playing live isn't such a um I just maybe I could do this before but now more than ever I feel like I can actually do whatever I want to do there's no real structure or you know you need to represent this record or this sound I used to feel like that before and now I'm like oh actually don't have to do any of that stuff no one's expecting anything of me um and that's nice so I'm really open to playing with different people for different shows and um you know I just moved to the mountains so I'm still meeting people and uh, I just want to just have fun exploring it feels like a beginning but it feels like um because of the limitations no one can get really carried away in that old in that way that when you're younger you're like we could all move to we could all relocate to a big new york or a big city in the world and and or we could like i don't even think we were were able to take any tour like it's just about playing shows whenever we feel like it and that is great that's kind of all the pressure i want (laughs) with music yeah Yeah, I've had people tell me oh, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, really? There's verses and choruses. It's not like it's. You know? <laughs> I mean, I've 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 sat, I've watched some really out there stuff. Mm. You know, I did it too with um, Oval, like
3: Mark's right, Pop, right.
2: and I just think, how can you not understand what I do? <laughs> There's so much, you know, more, more avant garde, experimental stuff out there. But I guess if you listen to, you know. What, mainstream radio or something, then that's, it's going to be different. But I think most artists have, a, you know, people can not get them and not like them. Yeah, it depends how open you are, how open people are to new things. And we all have our different limits of what, you know, of what we're comfortable with.
0: via Tanya on Out From Under on Resonance Extra. And the best place to find Tanya's work is on Bandcamp at viatanyamusic.bandcamp.com I'm Stu Buchanan. Thanks to Tegan Lane and Tanya Bowers for talking to me on this week's episode. To Peter Lansley at Resonance Extra and to Beth Dalgleish and Nick LaRosa at FBI Radio in Sydney. You can find more info and links at outfromunderradio.tumblr.com and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as Out From Under Radio, and also on an email at outfromunderradio at gmail.com. I'm Stu Buchanan. Thanks for joining me on Out From Under.